Hey, Paula. Hey, Matze. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, what's up? Uh, I've been thinking about this hacker cultures panel that we're running this summer, remember? At the 4S East Conference in Prague, but everything was put online. Of course I remember. Yeah, with the virus and everything. Exactly. And every panelist has to present their paper online. Boring. That sounds tedious. Exactly. So... What if we instead made, made a, a podcast, podcast about it? About it. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, we like mind read. Great idea. Fantastic idea. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. This is Hacker Culture's The Conference Podcast. This year, COVID-19 turned most conferences virtual. So to combat Zoom fatigue, we decided to try another format and turn a conference session into a podcast. This series comes to you from the 2020 Joint 4S East Conference. I'm Paula Bielski, and along with my co-host, Mase Oyala, we're talking with all sorts of researchers who study what it is to be a hacker and what hacking, programming, tinkering, and working with computers is all about. As a technical note, some of this audio was recorded through Zoom. The audio might not be at its best, but it hopefully doesn't affect the content our researchers aim to get across. In this session, we're talking with Stéphane Couture. He's a professor at the Faculty of Arts and Sciences at the Department of Communication in the University of Montreal. In his session, he's talking about hacker cultures and practices in the development of internet protocols. What he wants to address is references to previous work done on hacker culture and free and open source software. In his presentation, he will look at the cultures, practices, and power dynamics of the Internet Engineering Task Force, or the IETF, and its sister and peripheral organization, the Internet Research Task Force, the IRTF. The IETF is the main organization building internet protocols, namely the formal specifications and standards that specify the rules and forms of computer communication on the internet. He proposes to look at protocol development from the perspective of hacker cultures and practices described by authors such as Biela Coleman or Chris Kelty. While the protocol artifact is different than the software code of hackers, many aspects of its development are reminiscent of hacker cultures. So let's go to Stefan's talk. person on to our wonderful session. Uh, moving right along, we would like to welcome Stéphane Couture from the Uni Université de Montréal. Uh, it's lovely to have you, Stéphane, here. Um, and Stéphane will be talking about hacker culture and practices in the development of internet protocols. Um, welcome from Montreal. Are you unmuted? Yes, I think you are me well. Yeah, we hear you. We were already talking about the the pigeon uh, protocol earlier today. But. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> had the idea. Also, like uh, that's the protocol to start a conversation. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, what's the kind of starting point of your research? Where do you start from? Yeah, so um, it was part of a research project funded by um, Shirk uh, in Canada. Shirk is the research agency in. Uh, funding agency in Canada. So I was conducting in this research, uh, a research on civil society and internet governance more broadly. And I learned about uh, this collective called the uh, Human Rights Protocol Considerations, which uh, were active or is still active in the Internet Engineering Task Force, trying to sensibilize engineers 
into uh, better taking into account human rights in their work. Uh, so um, it's worth it to note that many people this, behind this group, the Human Rights Protocol Consideration uh, Group, are themselves STS scholars. So uh, I'm thinking here about uh, Neil Stenover or Corinne Cat, for instance. Corinne Cat who is actually presenting about this subject later on uh, at Forest today. So uh, it's interesting to see uh, here, uh, as a side note, STS epistemology circulating and having an impact in this space. Okay, uh, but anyway, for a while I was totally fascinated by this group trying to include human rights and internet protocols. But it also uh, brought me to discover, or um, yeah, so sorry. So I decided to interview different people uh, there and attend the events. Uh, okay. So, but this made me discover, or I actually rediscovered a broader organization in which they were involved: the Internet Engineering Task Force or ITF in short, that has a central role in the development of internet protocols. So uh, this is what I'd like to talk to the, today, the, the ITF. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit more about this Internet Engineering Task Force? Tell us a little bit more about what they're about and why are they important? Why do they strike your interest? Yeah. I hope it will be a, maybe a future SDS career to work there. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, actually, uh, it might be good. So uh, the IDTF, uh, the Internet Engineering Task Force, or IDTF for short, was created in 1986, and its role is to develop and promote open standards for, for the Internet, uh, like the TCP IP protocol, uh, but also better known standard like um, hypertext transfer protocol. So everybody uh, knows, uh, almost everybody knows about the uh, HTTP today, or the email header standards like the field from to subject. Uh, so that's where people discuss, like, let's say, uh, how the email works, uh, or discussed in the past, actually, because now it's, it's quite set up. So uh, they discuss about internet protocols. So internet protocols could be characterized as formal specification and standards that specify the rules and forms of computer communication over the internet. Uh, so in the case of ITF, these standards are collectively elaborated and formalized in documents called requests for comments, or in short, RFCs. It's a weird name, request for comments, uh, and this name is explained by its historical roots, but it has really nothing to do today with requesting comments, but it's really in most cases, in a way, a, standard, a standardization document. It's the format of the document published by this organization. So each RFCs are identified with a number. So number one had been published in 1969, and the last one, RFC 8881, sorry, 8881 was published like this August, a few weeks ago. So uh, as a side note, RFC is kind of a Reminiscence of the agriculture also, I'll come back to this. So anyway, I initially learned about IETF in books in the, in the history on internet uh, when I did my graduate studies in communication studies. Uh, but I was a bit surprised to see it so much active today. Okay, So for instance, the organization meets three times a year and usually brings together about uh, 1,000 people uh, for each of its presidential meetings, many of whom are engineers coming from powerful companies like Google, 
Verizon and Huawei. Sorry uh, about the pronunciation here. So okay. it's a very significant and influential organization in our social technical era. Or, but still, it's not very, it's still not very well studied by academics as compared to uh, free and open source software in general, in general, for instance. And maybe more importantly, it's even less known in society in general. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you said a little bit that uh, they're doing like what you characterize as like SDS kind of work, but it, but also like uh, um, uh, what what other cultures would you find in there? Like how are they uh, influenced, and what 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 is it like uh, at the IETF? Like who are these people? What do they value, and what is their culture like? Yeah, so I decided uh, to propose this uh, this presentation as part of a agriculture to make relationships like with the agriculture and the IETF. So I find that uh, uh, agriculture, agriculture, it's manifesting on the level of uh, uh, culture and practice. There's many similarities here, but also on the level of infrastructure. But I'll come back to infrastructure later on. So yeah, this uh, happens uh, when you put something in your paper title. We'll ask you about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, as someone who studied uh, free and open source software, the similarities are really evident when you go uh, in this space, when you enter in this space. Uh, for the good and uh, the bad, uh, it's really easy to relate like uh, the dynamic there with other research on agriculture. So first, uh, the demographics are very similar. Uh, mostly male, okay. Um, to though they are uh, now women in a position of power, including at uh, this moment the president of the organization, which is, a, in my point of view, it's good. It brings some diversity. Uh, on the level of cultural norm, it's really easy also to find tropes uh, reminiscent of agriculture. Uh, so, for instance, the so-called informal mantra of ITF is: "We reject kings, presidents, and voting." We believe in rust consensus and run, running code. Okay, so this is a clear expression That's of the, a clear expression of the mistrust in authority and the meritocratic and somewhat anarchistic spirit that have been described by many scholars and observers in agriculture. In my opinion, uh, this mantra is also a bit paradoxical, considering the involvement of powerful company that can be considered the king of the tech world. Uh, kings of the tech world, but that's another story. Uh, ITF also much value transparency and openness, another key value of agriculture and free and open source culture in particular. Uh, first, uh, what ITF is about is really open standards and the open internet. Also within ITF, everything is archi archived, all recording of the conference, discussion of mailing lists, all version of the documents, Everything is accessible for anyone to see. So it's actually a bit of a gold mine for researchers, although a bit overwhelming. Uh, another example on the less good side, let's say, is the way in which, until recently at least, flaming and aggressive interaction are tolerated and even valorized in this space. For instance, newcomers in ITF are invited to attend an introductory meeting where they are warned not to get scared when you are in the hallway talk, uh, talks by people in a hostile tone or people showing aggressive behavior. 
This is uh, because we are told ITF culture is about passionate, small, vocal people. <laughs> so uh, this echoes many observations by feminist studies of free and open source software about the prevalence of aggressive and inflammatory or flaming, uh, which also has the consequences of inhibiting uh, newcomers and people who are not uh, used to this kind of, uh, of uh, dynamic which probably explain actually why they want newcomers about this. So this is starting to change. I can answer this uh, in question if you'd like, uh, but um, but I'll stop there uh, for now. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you also mentioned this word infrastructure. You mentioned that this like hacker culture has also manifest itself on the level of infrastructure. Um, I'm curious what you mean there. Yeah. Uh, so it is through the infrastructure that I find the most similarity with agriculture and especially free and open source software. Uh, what I call uh, the IETF infrastructure of collaboration is made out of a complex ecology of mailing lists. Uh, I'm talking maybe about uh, 1,000 mailing lists here. Mm -hmm. GitHub oh. accounts, open source documents, trackers, RSC channel. Jabber, uh, Jabber account in the conference that are characteristic of the free and open source software community. Uh, so basically they are collaborating on open source, mostly mm. on open source, uh, tools here. Uh, we can see also that people involved in ITF are comfortable writing code. Although what they do is write human read uh, readable text. So they write RFCs, uh, standards. Uh, but they write it in a way one would write code by using software tool like Git or GitHub and using a programming language or a markup language named Markdown. Uh, this is actually, this actually makes a, a steep learning curve to engage in the process. For instance, as part of my participatory engagement in this space, I tried to contribute to one of the documents which I, um, which I remind you is a plain text, not a code. And the instruction I was giving was to get the file from GitHub, make modification in markup language, <laughs> compile the file and push them back in the Git repository. So like right. I was like, well, that's a bit complicated. I know a bit about programming, but uh, like to uh, to talk about like philosophy of uh, software, it's, it's a bit hard. So to use the concept of Star and later on Ford and Washman, uh, ITF have inherited the culture, policies, and logic of its free and open source install-based infrastructure. Uh, so um, it is also important to note that these people are building an important dimension of the internet infrastructure. So uh, protocol development in ITF really corresponds to what Chris Kelty describes as a recursive public, a central characteristic mm. and hackers. So Kelty... For Kelty, a recursive public is one that is uh, vitally concerned, uh, quote, sorry, uh, vitally concerned with the material and practical maintenance and modification of the technical, legal, practical, and conceptual means of its own existence. Okay, so uh, ITF is concerned about the mean of its own existence. Mm. Uh, the very object of their work is the infrastructure of which they exist. Furthermore, their own infrastructure is often based on free and open source software. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and nice. I think many of us would be here without this, uh, uh, this what the IETF does. So that's mm -hmm. nice. Uh, and then just kind of to wrap up, we have a couple of minutes. Uh, could you uh, say a little bit 
like what else, what else would be like particularly interesting to look at from like an SDS perspective about Internet Engineering Task Force? Because this seems like a great resource for for studying. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yes, I have uh, actually just touched the subject. But uh, one important thing to consider in IETF is what they are actually making. Um, so uh, I was glad to be in the sub-panel uh, hacking, the objects of hacking. So we need to consider what is this object they are building and what they are making and building are protocols. Uh, so we uh, we could look at protocols from an STS perspective and really follow what is a protocol. So I did this in a previous research, but about source code, the notion of source code, trying to understand the status and agency of this subject. But uh, if we take protocols, protocols are uh, somewhat evasive objects. Okay, Protocols are what makes uh, telecommunication work. So in a sense, they are very concrete and technical. But on the other hand, protocols are just abstractions, specifications, that live in the air, but are expressed in written form, then implemented in code, okay? Uh, so while different theorization have been made or different studies have been made uh, about protocol, I think it's interesting to look empirically at the mode of existence of protocols to use Simonon or later uh, Lato uh, notion. Uh, so contrary to hackers and free and open source software, people at ATF do not primarily produce code, though collectively they collectively write a specification how to, about how to implement code, although running code is a legitimization of the adoption of the specification. But even the specification is adopted on a somewhat voluntary uh, basis. So some questions like how the protocol artifact gain its agency and authority, how exactly does it perform in our social technical world, these questions might be less related to the agriculture panel we have now, but more to an anthropology of text. But this is the kind of question I'd like to work on next. So uh, thank you. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you so much, That's Stefan. Great. That was really, really interesting. And you seem like you found a treasure trove of a field. And I think this is super exciting whenever we as researchers find places like this. And I'd be really excited to actually read uh, more. Is there a paper coming out? Are you doing more field work? Is there a book? What can we expect next from Stefan? Yeah, I'm trying to wrap this up and make some uh, publication about this. No? Okay, wonderful. I struggle uh, to find time for this. Yeah, yeah, sure. I okay. also hope to talk about this more later on today Good. about like uh, yeah, all this uh, kind of this is so SDS. Like, how, where do protocols come from and exactly. where do they go? Exactly. How do they exist? Exactly. 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 Oh, so that's great. Thank you so Good much, Stefan. And uh, let's give Stefan a round of applause. This podcast series was hosted by Paula Bielski and Matze Oyala. It was produced by Heights Beats and Hot Milk Productions with funding from St. Gallen University. Thank you to all the panelists and audience members of the Hacker Cultures panel at the 4S and East 2020 conference on the theme of locating and timing matters, significance and agency of science and technology studies in emerging worlds.